0: Hello and good morning, this is Siddharth here and welcome to my new podcast called Down the Rabbit Hole and this is my favorite hobby. I'm an infaholic and I love reading really really obscure random stuff. It might start very simply by reading about hey what is an audio interface or something like that. This particular podcast if you're equally interested in random facts and urban myths or just as Neil deGrasse Tyson says, expanding your the perimeter of your ignorance. So the more you know, the less you know. That's how it goes. Not to keep you guys longer or bore you with this particular introduction. Let's check it out. So this whole journey started really long time back when my dad used to have quite this impressive but yet humble library at home in, in Chenning. So it is filled with different kinds of books from readers digest dating back from the sixties to national geographics to medical journals. Don't ask me why. I think my dad studied REMED. And there were obviously great novels. There were great books like Alistair McLean, you know, Leon Uris, Tom Clancy, Michael Crichton, Sidney Sheldon, you name it. Basically, I just love reading. I guess that particular bit me quite early in life. And it has not stopped since like this morning. Apparently, an asteroid whizzed past Earth at point eight or point eight. The distance of between the moon and the Earth. So the distance between moon and the Earth is 3.84 lakh kilometers. I think this one whizzed by at at about 3 lakh kilometers or 3.2 or something like that. And the funny part is all the whiz kids at NASA and all the amateur astronomers, I do not blame you guys. It is a sea out there. These guys caught it only after two hours or after two days or two hours after it passed. So they didn't see it even coming. Uh, it is like how the whole Chelyabinsk here, remember that back earlier this decade when we were actually expecting a close shave of another meteor but, but this particular bugger actually got into the Earth's atmosphere, set a trailing blaze and, and it exploded uh, just before it hit the Earth. The shock waves were felt around uh, many, many miles, the glass was shattered. I think exploded a couple of kilometers above the surface of the Earth. But my point being over here is that we were looking at one direction, uh, expecting a particular astronomical event to happen. And what happened was from a completely opposite direction and a completely unknown asteroid, which... Kind of fell into the earth's atmosphere at a very street steep angle i presume it became a meteor so just for the newbies i'm sorry i'm not mansplaining or anything like that but it's something that we all do get wrong and i got wrong a lot i was um, reading on this topic so basically what is the difference between an asteroid a meteor and a meteorite an asteroid is basically a smaller rocky object in space it exists in space it it travels at very high speeds it tumbles around as it kind of goes through its own uh, trajectory so that's an asteroid but when the asteroid enters the earth's atmosphere it becomes a meteor so you would have seen those shining so what we call a shooting stars so the shooting stars are basically asteroids which have entered the earth's atmosphere and because of the extreme speed at which they come in from the emptiness of space when they hit the very rough atmosphere of ours they tend to burn up so they burn up into this at to way very high degrees of temperature and hence it's a brilliant flash of light in the darkness of the night that you see so that's called a meteor now when these meteors finally don't burn up some meteors impact earth eventually so it becomes an, it is an asteroid, then it's re-termed as a meteor because it's flying through the atmosphere. If this meteor doesn't burn up or explode like the Cheb- Chelyablinsk meteor, but it impacts the earth, that means terra firma, right? it impacts the crust of the earth. And so the rocky substance which is found on earth at the impact crater, which is a small unburned part of the asteroid, is known as a meteorite. Hence, there's a difference between An asteroid, a meteor, and a meteorite. See, this is exactly what I meant. I wanted to talk to you guys about something, right? I ended up talking randomly about absolutely something else which has zero connection to the topic, which I actually wanted to talk about. So the topic which I really want to talk about is, uh, it's it's an urban myth. It is, it's something which I stumbled upon uh, a couple of uh, years back, probably a decade back. But it kind of uh, popped into my memory recently, and I thought, hey, you know what? This is quite an interesting uh, topic, just to tickle the the cortex of sorts. So so this, this story goes back to January, February of 1945. So basically, it was during the World War Two in the country of Burma, which is called Burma, then it's called Myanmar now. In 1942, the Japanese uh, Imperial Army had had pretty much taken over Burma. They were marching well into India when the tides kind of changed against them. The British army, I think it was the 14th division of the army, put on an offensive, uh, what you call, on the southern front of Burma. So they were pushing back the Japanese and, and pushing them out of Burma. What happened uh, around January, February of 1945, the British 14th army, which also included a lot of Indian contingent from the Indian army, What happened was that in the southern front, so towards south of uh, Burma, there is something called the Ramree Island. Ramree, that's R-A-M-R-E-E. So Ramree Island is basically a huge, uh, what do you call, a marsh, or you want to call a mangrove forest. It is about 1,300 odd square kilometers and... And it's a massive, massive island on the coast of uh, Burma. So what happened was that during this uh, whole Burma campaign or fag end of it in World War II in 1945, the British soldiers really pushed the Japanese army back into their earlier positions. And the Japanese army was retreating or doing a strategic retreat. That's when they made a huge mistake. So these guys basically, so these Japanese soldiers were forced into the marshes, which were surrounding the island. Now the problem is that all the British soldiers and the British Army, the British Indian slash uh, mixed uh, army that the that was there pushing the Japanese soldiers into this particular corner, there is no way for there is absolutely no way the Japanese can escape except by going into this island. And this island is surrounded by mangroves and marshes. Now, unfortunately, the Japanese soldiers, around thousand of them. They didn't know that this marsh was filled with the deadly saltwater crocodiles. These saltwater crocodiles are probably one of the most ridiculous killing creatures ever made, right? They're living dinosaurs. And these crocodilians, native to this particular saltwater habitat, or as we call the brackish water, right? The brackish wetlands is quite common uh, in this part of asia as well as australia and stuff like that and these buggers are known to eat pretty much anything which is edible for them right so they don't basically distinguish if it tastes good they're going to eat it so going getting back to the story so these thousand japanese soldiers were forced into the marshes and it has been claimed that the saltwater crocodiles which were there pretty much ate all of them yeah In the night, somewhere in February 1945, these Japanese soldiers who were cornered into this deadly marshes of Ramri Island in Burma, all they could hear, they couldn't see anything, obviously, they couldn't light uh, matches or torches or fires because the British uh, snipers would take them out. So they were hunkering down in the marshes while one by one, It was basically a teppanyaki Japanese buffet for the crocodiles. These crocodiles ate a thousand Japanese soldiers, right? Just think about it. At night, you're shivering cold. You can't see anything around you. All you hear is the the plonkiness of the water around you. And you hear the screams and the struggle of, of a soldier who was standing close by to you, but he's no longer there. And it's a feeding frenzy right next to you. I find this story fascinating. Um, It isn't, uh, again, as I told you again, it isn't, it hasn't been proven that it's a true story. But there have been a couple of um, witnesses, if you want to call it, or lack of a better name. But uh, the truth of the matter is that thousand Japanese soldiers went in. I think only 20 people survived, uh, according to one account. So, about 980 people were basically eaten by crocodiles in one single night. It is been classified as the largest, the greatest disaster suffered by humans from animals by the Guinness Book of World Records. However, the crocodiles uh, may have only killed about 10 to 15 people, um, but pe- people are still not sure. But the fun fact is that even nowadays, these crocs, which is only about what? We yeah, have about 70 years since 65, 70 years uh, since the whole, yeah, 75 years since the World War ended. These same crocs still exist, the ones who ate the Japanese, because crocodiles live well into the hundreds in terms of years. So these same buggers are still eating people at the Ramri Island, in and around Ramri Island in Burma. These guys are pretty much stalking people and and hunting them down because guess we taste good. I'm saying saltwater crocodiles are killing machines, just like how sharks are. They are going to attack, they're going to kill, and it is about survival. We went into their territory. So yes, uh, so that's the little tidbit of information that I had for you guys. I hope it wasn't too boring. Do read up on it. It's it's quite interesting um, story from the World War II and more importantly about wildlife. And and yet at the same time, I guess stories get a little, a little more interesting when it is an urban legend. So thank you so much for tuning in and uh, we shall catch up again with another episode of Down the Rabbit Hole with Siddharth. Cheers, mate.